gallant little brother here in the church. And he was a soldier. Got pulled all to pieces in the army almost and laid out for dead and said he'd, they didn't, the medics didn't think he'd live and wasn't even worth fooling with. He was so far gone, the main nerves in his legs bursted, his little arm almost blowed completely off his leg, one leg off nearly. But God, seeing grace, saved him and healed him one day. He was Brother Roy Roberson's present when that picture was taken there at Houston. I'm Brother Roberson. I'd like to take a few minutes to relate to you some of the great miracles that I was privileged to see during the years. I was with Brother Branham from 1949 to 1964. The first time that I met Brother Branham to speak to him was in Houston, Texas in 1950. And that was in one of his great healing campaigns. And that was where the angel of the Lord was picture was made in that meeting. And it it was a great privilege for me. I had never seen anything like it. It was a a great prophet, a man of God that I looked at. And that first night that I was we was there in the meeting, my wife and I, my wife was a third one in the prayer line. And as she walked up to where Brother Branham was in the prayer line up to him, he uh, looked at her and he had a way about him that nobody else had. And he said, Oh, sister, I see that you live in the seven miles of where I do. You live in New Albany, Indiana. And he said, You and your husband has uh, driven all the way down here and to get here being this first night of the service. And he says, I could tell you a lot of things, sister. He says, I see you when you got to your motel here in Houston this afternoon that you were standing in the, looking out the window and you was... Uh, talking to your husband and you said well we should hurry up or we won't be able to I won't be able to get in that prayer line and uh, I marveled at when I heard this I looked at him and I said what is uh, this man he knew the secrets of the heart and then he went ahead to tell her he said I could tell you lots of things sister because I see you from the time you were just a small girl up through, the, up through your life and then they went on to be one of the greatest meetings that Brother Bram said he believed that there, he ever had because there was great miracles happened in the mass prayer that he would have for the congregation which was about 10,000 in that Colosseum we were standing in the back one uh, evening it was just before the dismissal prayer and when he had this massive prayer why there was people healed all over the building and then standing close to us was uh, a Spanish brother with a little child about three years old and it was blind and we were, oh, anyway, 50 feet, uh, 100 feet away from the platform where Brother Brown was, or maybe farther. And during that prayer, that baby was healed. Its eyes came open. And uh, that was uh, one of the greatest things that uh, for me to see, because I had to, my family and my background had been uh, Methodist. And uh, so after we came back from that meeting, why, I went to the church on a Sunday morning and... Uh, Brother Branham, we, I was sitting in the back room, and he would come in there, and we'd have prayer before church, his Brother Grim Snellings and some of the deacons. And I'd, I had never, I'd been to the church uh, nine months before that, but uh, I never got to talk to Brother Branham. And he walked over to me, and he said, Oh, you're Brother Roberson. You were down to that meeting in Houston? I said, Yes, sir. He said, uh, Well, why didn't you tell me that uh, you were short of money, that you needed a little money to get back on? 
And uh, I didn't know what to say because I wouldn't, uh, didn't want him to know that. We had to come back about uh, two nights earlier because we uh, had run short of our m- money. And that was just uh, something that I couldn't understand at first. He knew the secrets of your heart. So uh, I would ask some of the ministers around. They would uh, be confused about that. I said, uh, well, I'd like to know this man, Brother Branham, is different to anybody else. And they would say, oh, now, you don't want to get mixed up in that. That uh, I said, yes, but you didn't uh, tell me anything like that. So uh, from that time on, I, I lived in Clarksville, Indiana, and uh, I came uh, well acquainted with Brother Branham. I had uh, been in the service, and he's talking about uh, going hunting, and he'd asked me about some of the rifles and the guns and the... Uh, so he come, him, him and Sister Branham came to eat with us several times, and we just become uh, great friends from that on. And 1953, he asked me if I would uh, be a trustee on his board of the church, at the church there. And uh, I still am. I went, uh, that's been since 1953. And uh, I went through uh, some great times with hunting trips, and then in that great campaigns he had that I was able to be to, and uh, he was a peculiar man. There was no uh, no one that I'd ever come in contact. I had been in service, and I talked to generals and all kinds of people, but this man, there was something different about him. To know Brother Branham was to love him, and he had a personality that uh, he was all just so kind and sweet, and there never was anything that came up in your life, any troubles or trials. But what if you go to him, he had some way that he would uh, be able to help you. And uh, one thing I remember outstanding was that uh, in 1951, during the Korean War, we lost our youngest son. And he was just 21 years old, and he'd been married about a year, and they had a little six-weeks-old baby. Well, that was very hard to understand uh, for my wife and I because we couldn't understand why would the Lord take a young man and uh, leaving a wife and baby, and maybe, you know how you think that uh, why he wouldn't take one of us. So uh, Brother Branham attended the funeral, and uh, it was down here in uh, Kentucky, Hopkinsville, Kentucky. And uh, he he prayed, the chaplain had the funeral, and he prayed uh, at the funeral home and at the gravesite. And it was a military funeral, and uh, he made himself acquainted with all uh, the military men and talked to them and shook hands with them. He had a way to greet people, and he he could just talk to anyone. But then <clears throat> he told me a few weeks after that, I was uh, we were going to hunt after Brother George Wright's. He lives out here in the country about three miles on a farm, he did. And uh, Brother Branham was, uh, re- really loved the family, and we would go out there quite often and just to be fellowship with him and to eat with him, and we'd go rabbit hunting and talk to the Brother and Sister Wright and Brother Shelby, which I uh, you know you've heard of him mentioning their names. But on the way out there, while we was uh, riding along, and he uh, he asked me, he said, uh, Brother Roberson, there's something I feel I should tell you. He said, uh, you've been worried about your son, Eddie, that uh, got killed. He said, you was wondering whether or not he was saved. And I said, yes, Brother Bram, I just uh, worried about it. I was thinking that right then, but I, I just hated to bother him or ask him anything. And he said, uh, what I want to tell you is, he said, you're worried and you're causing yourself to have an ulcer. You said, you're a nervous type person like I am. And he said, uh, another thing I want to tell you, Brother Roy, he said, I see you 
when you were laying on a stretcher over there in France in 1944 when you were wounded. He said you were severely wounded in your right arm and both legs, and the nerve, nerves were severed in your legs, and your right arm was just hanging. He said they laid you out on a the stretcher there with another soldier, and he said uh, they thought you were just dying. But he says uh, you had the Lord had something for you to do later. And uh, then I, uh, when he said that, I could my mind uh, flashed back to the time it happened, and uh, I was never unconscious, but I didn't know whether or not I would live because I was bleeding bad and. Uh, during that time I was laying there, there was a, a jeep drove up with a chaplain in it, and he had a driver with him, and they had the flag on the jeep of the cross to show that they were, were chaplains. And uh, he came over to me. He was a small man, and he has it was a captain. He had captain bars on, and he knelt down to me and he said, uh, "My soldier, are you a Protestant or what are your?" I said, "Well, I'm a Protestant. In fact, I wasn't anything. I hadn't been saved. I didn't know the Lord yet." But I was praying real hard right then. And he said, uh, this chaplain said the, the Lord's Prayer o- over me and took hold of my hand when he said it. And then he went to the, my buddy was on the other side of me and uh, he was a Catholic boy and he said a prayer for him. And I had never said anything about this to my wife or anybody, but that prayer always uh, would be in my mind. And I had promised the Lord I said, Lord, if you'll spare my life, I'll live for you. So when I was uh, discharged, I wasn't discharged until 1946. I was in the VA hospitals uh, for about two years. Well, I remembered that promise that I'd promised the Lord I'd serve him. So I told my wife one night, I think it was on a Sunday night, I said, we have to get out and find us a church to go to and serve the Lord. So I drove around, and at that time I was living in New Albany, and then I drove around to several churches, but didn't seem to, we couldn't, didn't get out and go in. We just drove in, so we wound up at the Branham Tabernacle. And we walked in there, and we sat down in the back seat because I hadn't been in church for years. And uh, the Lord had just led us there. And that was, uh, from that time on, I went there and still go there. But... Uh, I hadn't met Brother Branham then until I met him in Houston, Texas. But then uh, another thing that comes in my mind is uh, we lived up here. We built a new home. That was in 1951 also up on the, above Jeffersonville at uh, on the State Road 62. And it's right out of the suburbs of Jeffersonville. And there, at that time, there wasn't any uh, city water up through there. So I had a, a well drilled in the... The driller must have uh, drilled it too deep or something, and we didn't know anything about it till the plumber had hooked it up and had it hooked up into the, all the pipes in the house and everything, and we turned the water on. It was just pure salt water. And it was really, uh, you know, something. We just built the home, took about all we had to do it, and to have that salt water, we couldn't use it at all. So I told Brother Brown about it down at the church, and he said, Well, Brother Robeson, we'll just have to ask the Lord and pray about it. So he said, I'll be up there on Sunday morning. I'll be up there this afternoon and visit with you. So on that Sunday afternoon, him and Sister Brown came to the house, and he went out in the kitchen and turned the water on. He said, let me taste this water. I said, maybe it's sulfur water. And he took a swallow of it, and he said, oh, my, that is it's salt. So he had to spit it out. It was just so strong. And he said, uh, we visited with us a while, and he said, well, uh, we'll pray about this, Brother Robeson, and he when he left, why, that's all he had said. 
So I didn't know what to think about the water or anything. And about three weeks later, why well, he had a a healing service in Connersville, Indiana. And uh, my wife and I and uh, Brother Brown's mother and his uh, one of his brothers, Donnie, we wrote, took them, we rode up to Connersville. It was in uh, May in warm weather, and the meeting was out in a big uh, ballpark up there, football stadium-like, and they was in the bleachers. We were sitting back in the bleachers. We were about, uh, I'd say, almost 100 yards from where the platform was. And during this uh, service, why, he pointed his hand out to where we were sitting, and he said, Sister Roberson, he says, I see that light hanging over your head. That's that angel of the Lord. He said, you worrying about that water down there in Jeffersonville, that well, he said, uh, you just quit worrying about that water. He said, it'll be all right. So uh, sure enough, the, from that time to this, uh, the water was just as pure, and uh, there's a neighbor that lives next door to this house that's still there, and uh, they are a witness of that there. They could, you could go to their house, they would tell you about it. Because they, they lived next door to it, and their water was a little salty, but nothing like that. But that was uh, another thing where Elijah purified the water. I mean, all this comes back to what the man of God had come in this generation, and the prophet of God, like unto Moses, that knew the secrets of people's heart and could tell you if for any need there was. And then you could be fellowship with him and go out and it would just be a ordinary, you'd think, ordinary man, but he wasn't. At all times, this angel of the Lord was with him because you could feel the presence. And I know when the, I was sleeping one night, we was a hunting. And he slept in my camper quite a bit. And uh, one night, in the night sometime, I woke up and I slept on one side and him on the other. And he said, uh, are you awake, Brother Robeson? I said, yeah. I woke up all of a sudden, and I could feel a power. There was a powerful light shining in there. And uh, I, I just felt like I was going to raise up and leave that place. I didn't know what to think. He said, well, uh, I just wanted to check. He said, you've been uh, sleeping awful sound and, and easy. Uh, but he says, uh, the angel of the Lord has visited this. And then I knew what it was. I had, uh, the angel of the Lord was... Brother Brown was having a vision, or he was in there talking to him. But uh, then later, at Sunset Mountain, he had told us to go take her wife and go out there and just spend some time in fellowship. He says, that's a great place to be, Brother Roy. He said, the, uh, the angel of the Lord will be there, and it's a spiritual place. He said, uh, so you and Sister Ropes can just go out there and stay some night. So we went out there one little time later, and... Uh, we were living in Tucson at that time. And that night after we got there, why well, I had built up a fire around this rock that was right close there where the picture of the angel of the Lord was on there where Brother Branham was standing with Brother Joseph. And I made that picture, but this was sometime after that. So after it got dark, why well, I began, there was hunters coming, run, going up and down the road in the back of some jeeps, and they was, I got to thinking, well, maybe they might come there and just take our camper and do away with us or something, because that would, did happen in Mexico and around our coast. So I had my wife to get in the camper, and we locked the door, and I started to pray, praying and asked the Lord to be with us. And that same spirit come in that truck again in that camper, 
And it was just a wonderful experience. It's like the Holy Ghost was in there, and a voice was speaking to me and said, uh, Fear not. Haven't you seen the glory of God happen right here at this place? And he went ahead to tell me uh, of different things I shouldn't do. And one thing especially said, I have nothing to do with politics. And uh, it was a great experience. And I told my wife about it. She didn't uh, She didn't feel the same spirit that I did. She didn't feel what like I did. But anyway, she said she knew something was going on because it was uh, a great feeling. And Brother Branham, uh, I met him a day or two after that. He was, uh, we was all living there in Tucson at that time. And I said, Brother Branham, I went out to Sunset like you said to go. And I said, you know, I had an experience out there. I said, I got frightened uh, about uh, just a wife and I there. And there's so many hunters going up and down that road behind us that I got afraid they might come back there and just take our camp or something. I said, I got inside and started praying. And I told him exactly what the voice had said to me. And he said, well, Brother Robeson, what that was, he said, it's that same angel that's in that picture that you see on that rock. He said, that angel came down there and stayed with you. Well, the angel on that rock, you can see on the picture who it was. But he said, whenever you started praying, you contact that angel. And no matter where you're at, many times I felt that... uh, angel by me and I know one time uh, as an experience that I felt Brother Brown's presence with me I was in a restaurant in Tucson and uh, these, these things happened in our lifetime where we had become uh, a lot of my friends and ones that uh, I'd fellowship with where these little uh, things would come up and seem like this special time they walked by our where we were sitting at our table and they didn't stop and speak and uh, fellowship with us and I, it hurt me real bad, and I just thought to myself, well, I don't believe Brother Brandon would ever walk by here and not have stopped and said something. And all of the, uh, once I could just feel, I could, well, I could see him and I could feel him. He walked up and sat down there with me. Well, that was that angel that uh, is with you, and if you pray and contact that angel, he'll come to you in sickness or whatever it might be. And it's a... Uh, Another time, the Sister Brown was with his wife and I, and we were at a first restaurant, another place out there. And we were sitting talking about Brother Brown and just fellowship, and then all at once to become real quiet. And I could feel the presence of the, the Lord, of the angel and Sister Brown. I said, Can you feel that? And she said, Yes, says, He's here now, Brother Robeson. So that's uh, the experiences we can have today if we'll just believe in what this prophet, what this man of God, told us, and if we listen to those tapes, that any time we're in need, if we ask, we'll get what we have if we have that faith and believe it. And then uh, I'd like to tell about this vision that I had. I'd had uh, some visions that happened during the years I knew Brother Branham, and on the hunting trips, a lot of times that uh, things would happen that he would tell us that was going to happen before it did but uh, this was a, a vision that I had the Lord woke me up one night it was in 1963 I think it was long in March 1st of March I was here in Jeffersonville and Brother Woods Banks Woods and I were um, remodeling the church down here to make it larger 
And we'd worked on it all winter, and it was a cold winter, and we are just trying to get it finished up because Brother Branham was coming back in around the 1st of March to, uh, or sometime last of March, anyway, to preach the seven seals. And we were in a hurry to, and trying to get it straightened up. The parking lots was all muddy, and we had to get that straightened out and dried out and put just crushed rock on it. And uh, one morning before I went to work, it was early in the morning, about 4 o'clock, I woke up and my room was just lit up. And I was sitting at a large table with Brother Branham. Brother Branham said it was a table like a Lord's Supper table. And uh, I was sitting on the east side of it. He was sitting right across like it be on the west. It was a large table. looked like it would seat about uh, 25 or 30 people. And it was sitting in a narrow street, like in the Oriental country, in a narrow street like they have. And the sidewalks were just right back of where the chairs were on each side of the table. And I was sitting talking to Brother Branham about uh, something about the church and the board or something like we usually talk about. And all at once, I heard this, like a whirlwind, and I looked up, and here, here was that amber-colored cloud. It come right down over Brother Branham, and took him, it just lifted him up, and he went right in that cloud. And he went right into the sky and, and out of my sight. Well, I, uh, I was real frightened. So I started to say, where in the world am I at here? And nobody, Brother Branham's gone. And the, uh, people were walking back of me and around. And uh, they had turbans on their head. They were speaking another language, and they wouldn't even listen to me. It didn't sound like they heard me. I said, Brother Branham, come back. Brother Branham, come back. And all of a sudden, I hear this shrill wind again. And I looked up, and the cloud was coming back, and it was a terrific sound. And it come to the head of the table in the... Well, there was a large chair at each end of the table, and it just went right. He sat right down in that chair, and all I could see of Brother Brandon was from his uh, just around his waist up. And it wasn't a Brother Branham that I seen in the chair where he left. I could just see his face, and it was a bright, show up, terrific uh, brightness and that amber color. And uh, I says. Uh, Brother Branham, I sure don't understand this. And he spoke with a loud voice. And he said, Brother Roy, you wouldn't understand it because he said, you're just like Simon. And uh, it sounded like a loud speaker. He talked, he spoke so loud. And uh, then the vision left me. Well, it frightened me, you know, uh, to know what it meant because I, I knew I'd never know without he told me. So I called and told him about it. And I was in Jeffersonville, and he was in Tucson. And just before he came back to preach the seven seals. And uh, he says, well, Brother Robeson, that was sent of you of the Lord. And he says, you hold your peace, and I will reveal it when the time comes. So that didn't leave me. That uh, When I seen that face, see his face in that amber cloud, it, it just stayed right with me. So it wasn't long. It wasn't but just a few days till he came back and he came back with brother gene norman and brother fred softman and i stand at the back of the Branham tabernacle down here and i was raking the crushed rock around the back door and brother Branham came over to where i started over where i was and brother fred and brother norman went in the side door 
Well, as he, as he got up close to me, that his face was so bright and uh, shiny that I had to turn my head. And I couldn't look at him because he was looking at me. So he laid his hand on my, my shoulder and uh, he said, Brother Robeson, I'll talk to you later. And uh, that was a great change in my life when I looked at him when he walked up to me that uh, I don't know. I know other people have seen it, but he went home that night. I didn't know this till later, and he told Sister Branham. He said, uh, Brother Roberson has seen something today. I think he understands now. Well, there's no way for me to explain, but after that, that was after the angels had met him, and he was commissioned to come back here and preach the seven seals. I think that uh, after that, Everything was different. But uh, then he told he tells that on Standing in the Gap. He tells that their vision. And uh, the time that Brother Fred and them, we were on a hunting trip up in uh, British Columbia and we're coming back. And he asked me about that and then he talked about it. He told me to tell Brother Fred and, and Brother Welch Evans when I got a chance that that vision and that was the only two I was supposed to tell it that he would reveal it and he speaks tells about it on different tapes and then one more thing that uh, the Lord gave me a vision of was I was in uh, living in Tucson at that time is 19 and 64 I just moved out there in May and this was later on uh, in that year that uh, Brother Bannon would come back to Jeff during the summertime he didn't stay in in Arizona he always liked to come back here in Vistwell and then he would come back and uh, I had just got there and when he started getting ready to come back I was uh, real homesick to come too he said it's been a good time to come in October brother Roper he said it get hot out here and uh, so I was real disgusted and he said uh, brother Roper you come out and stand in the backyard he said you live here in this uh, apartment where I am and take care of these guns and things I've got here while I'm gone. You and Sister Roberson. But he said, you walk out in that backyard and look up there on that Finger Rock Mountain where Finger Rock is. And he said, you just imagine that you see Moses walking up that mountain top, along that mountain top. And he said, that'll make you feel better. I said, uh, okay, Brother Bram, I'll do that. So after he left, the Lord come to me in a, vision, and he showed me Brother Brown standing on this mountain in a canyon right in the back of where his house is out there. There's a large canyon, and it's right down from that finger rock, what they call finger rock, on the top of the mountain. And he was standing about halfway up to that rock in the middle of that canyon in this vision, and this amber cloud was over his head. And it was just raising and lowering up over his head. And I was standing in front of him, and it seemed like a hundred yards or so I could see him real plain and uh, there was a brother Welch Evans on my right and brother Softman was on my left and we were looking at him and there was a voice come out of this cloud a real loud clear voice says this is my prophet and as Moses was called to lead the children of Israel so is this my prophet will lead this generation with a pillar of fire. And uh, then the vision just faded away, but these brothers started to shouting and la uh, 
uh, enjoying it and said, said, I told you so, I told you so. So uh, again, I called Brother Brown. He was back here in Jeffersonville. And told him, and he said, uh, oh, Brother Robeson, that's another vision that the Lord has sent you. And he says, uh, you don't tell anybody because I'll, t- I'll tell it when the time comes. And uh, then uh, that was uh, such a great uh, thing. I, he mentions that on uh, Standing in the Gap, I believe, where it, uh, it was per- referred to him as Moses. And uh, he says, Brother Robeson, do you know who Moses was? I said, no, I don't. He said, well, he was God to those children of Israel. And he said he could speak into existence, fly, fleas and all kinds of... He said, like squirrels. And when he said squirrels, then it come to me that he was the same as Moses. He was God to this people of this generation. And the same as Moses was to that those children of Israel. He was to lead us in this generation. And it is the same thing, he says, that you can go out there and those places are special places. You go to Sunset Mountain, there's a rock. And he said, Brother Robeson, that's the same rock that Moses stood by. That's where the whirlwind came down and then right close back over the mountain was where the angel of the Lord appeared to him. And the Catalina Mountains are the same way there's as he said Moses would walk the top of that mountain around there he was just like it in Jerusalem it's the same thing as what Moses did is what brother Branham did he was God to this generation and it'll go back and it'll be the same holy mountains he called it a holy mountain the same thing as they went through the wilderness and when he said that was that same rock you know a lot of people would tonight I didn't I said, well, I am not going to question. If he said it was, I think I say it is the same rock. And somebody said, how did it get there? Well, he said, in the during the flood of that time, this here that desert was a all the water was over that, and everything was changed. So where how it got there or anything else, it was there. And I I firmly believe this because uh, down in my heart, I know that that there was God to those people. Because if he could see me laying on a stretcher in 1944 over there in France and I was a sinner and he could tell me where I was hurt and what was uh, exactly what the doctors diagnosed what was wrong with well, he said, you had something to do later on, Brother Roseman, and the Lord let you uh, come back to do something. And then... Uh, I had a dream uh, right after I met Brother Branham. It was a dream, something like. And uh, in this dream, I was. It was like in a a park where they have these little walk bridges that goes up over a stream of water. And uh, my wife was with me, and we was walking in this park. And as we come up this bridge, we were really despondent, and uh, like uh, we feel like we are today. And we was looking for something. We didn't know what to do, and down and looked across that bridge and there stood Brother Branham only he was young and he had a lot of hair in his younger days he had a lot of hair all the Branhams had that heavy hair but and uh, he was smiling at us and as we walked over to him he greeted us well that dream I just had I never did tell him about 
I don't know, I never did think any more about it. So about ten years later, we was at Sunset Mountain this time, and we'd been a-hunting, all of us, and we'd go out on a jeep and different ones would get off at different places, and we'd hunt separately and then pick each each one up as we came back. On the way back, I was driving Brother Gene Norman's jeep and his Brother Fred and Brother Welch and uh, some more of the brothers, and just before we got to the camp, he said, Brother Robeson, I re-seen a dream that you had a long time ago. And he said, uh, you won't understand it till I mention one thing. And he said, now, I'll tell you about that one of these days. So I kept a, wondering each time I'd see him, I'd think, when's he going to tell me about that dream? So we were sitting in the first cafeteria one time, and just a wife and I and brother and sister Brown and, and brother Joseph were small, and they were in, in that uh, cafeteria too. And as we as they, they finished eating before we did, and they come by, and he stopped, he said, Brother, I want to tell you about that dream while Sister Robertson's here with you. He said, Now, you you won't remember till I say one thing. He said, uh, You was walking in a kind of a park-like place where there was a lot of trees and, and streams of water, and there was a bridge over the stream of water, a walk bridge-like. I still didn't remember it. And he said, You looked up. And you see me sitting on the uh, standing on the other side, and he said I was young and I had a lot of hair on my head. He said, "Do you remember it now, Brother Robertson?" And when he mentioned the the hair and young, I said, "Well, yes, I remember that." But he said, uh, he told me, he said you wouldn't remember it till I mentioned the hair. But uh, he said, "Don't worry, everything's all right." And then uh, we lived in a trailer in Tucson, down along next to the freeway for a couple of years. And one night the Lord came to me and woke me up, and I, I was walking down the blacktop road right outside. It seemed like right outside that trailer there was a blacktop road went down towards the freeway. And in the vision, a, la- a bright light shined down over my head, right in the side on the side of the road in the ditch, like. And laying in the ditch where the light was shining, there was a face, and it was just a, a nose and the eyes, and the hair, and. The, I couldn't explain what it looked like. I didn't know what it was. And uh, this light went from me, shining on me, while it went over to that face right in the, the right of the road. And uh, I was just uh, wondering what it was, and Brother Bannon appeared in the vision right beside of me. And again, I said, well, sure, I don't understand, but this Brother Bannon, he said, uh, well, don't worry. I'm with you. And then uh, I went by... His house he kept uh, one Saturday and he's washing his car and I thought, well, I won't bother him. So I drove up the street and I come back by and he said, now, if anytime you want to stop, Brother Ruben, he said, stop and tell me anything. So I just, it was on my mind, I just stopped and I went in and the Sister Brandon would be on, she, she was in the one side of the apartment where they had their kitchen and everything and Brother Brandon had to use the other side, it was a duplex-like, where he studied. Well, my wife went in where Sister Brandon was, and I walked in. Brother Brandon was cleaning his, his rifles, and uh, I walked up to him, and he said, Well, hello, Brother Robeson. I said, uh, Brother Brandon, I, and as I said, Eddie says, I know why you're here. He said, You had a dream, didn't you? Now, he said, I can tell you right now what it was. But he said, When you leave, he said, You, you and your wife, he said, You go home. And that was on Saturday. He said, uh, I'll come down there tomorrow. It's on a Sunday, and I'll tell you your dream, but I want you to go home, take your wife and go home, and I'll come to your house. So uh, next day, I waited all on Sunday morning, and 
Of course, we waited, kept waiting around about, I think it was a little after noontime, our brother Bam came in his, in his station wagon. He pulled up and stopped, and he come in, and he had a large envelope under his arm, a brown uh, envelope. And he talked, oh, like you used to did, a lot of things, and this fellow shook him there. He said, well, I've come to accomplish this. He said, let me see how he said that. Fulfill what I told you. He said, I've come to fulfill that, to take that vision. He said, what you've seen, Brother Roberson, on that, that face along the road, he said, that's that uh, picture of the Lord Jesus. He said, you've got it hanging there on the on your wall, and you've got it hanging the wrong way. He said, you turn that up, and you'll see that that there, that white uh, cloud over him is a supreme authority. He said, if you remember in the attorney's office, they had those uh, white wigs that they wore. But he said, that means supreme authority. He said, that was the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, you see his eyes and his mouth. He said, what you have, you got your picture turned the wrong way. I didn't have it turned up right. And he said, uh, Again, he said, uh, don't worry about it, Brother Robeson. I was there with you. But uh, that was uh, that was something great. And uh, then there's a... I'll go from one to another. I may not get them just uh, one right way they came, but after the accident happened, why, Billy, Brother Billy had called me and told me what happened, and I called all the other brothers... Billy had called me and told me what happened, and I called all the other brothers. And they had gone to Amarillo, and I was just in a bad state. I couldn't pray or couldn't even talk or nothing. And uh, I didn't get to leave uh, right away to come to Amarillo. But anyway, um, my wife was uh, working at nighttime, and I was there in a trailer alone. And, uh, you know, we just couldn't understand anything. So I couldn't pray and I was laying there and all at once uh, the uh, room I was in lit up and Brother Branham walked up the side of my bed and he had on his hat and his uh, Bible was under his arm and he reached down and got a hold of my hand and he said uh, don't worry about it Brother Robeson. He said I'll meet you at Mount Zion. Well uh, then I I, it, I come to myself. I know, you know, it was for a reason. I thought, well, uh, he said, don't worry about it. I'll meet you at Mount Zion. And then it just uh, faded away. But just as plain as I had ever seen him, he walked right up to the side of my bed and reached down and got hold of my hand. And uh, that has been something to think about when I get down and out and, uh, you know, discouraged. I think, well, maybe I'll have a chance after all. But... Uh, then uh, I can go back to uh, oh many things that happened when we were hunting. One time when we were going to antelope hunting, was going to out through Kansas, going to Wyoming, and we was driving his, his little uh, Chevrolet truck, and he said, uh, "I think it's a long ways out there. You, that those days." Of service stations was far apart and it would be maybe miles you'd drive he said we had better stop at this next uh, filling station and fill up with gas and uh, he said uh, the Lord wants me to stop 
there or something like that. And I never thought it. Brother Woods and I was with him. And we pulled up to this little station. It was way out, and the people lived in the back and just had these two gas pumps out front. So uh, on his little truck, it was a little carry-all truck he had on there, William Brown campaigns, and they said, I will come again. But when the fall of the fellow was filling the gas, uh, the tank up, why, this lady come out. And she said, looked around, she said, are you Brother Branham? And he just had his hunting clothes on. He said, yes, ma'am, I'm Brother Branham. She said, I was in one of your meetings in such and such a place, I forget. She said, uh, you know, my, uh, we've got a little daughter back here that's real sick. And uh, said, the Lord just, uh, said, I had a dream that you would come. Said, would you come in and uh, pray with her? He said, why, sister, I sure will. He said, told Brother Woods and I, he said, now you brothers stay here, out here with the truck, and I'll go in and pray for the little girl. Well, that was unusual because usually he'd ask us to go in with him. And uh, he was gone about uh, 15 or 20 minutes, and he came back out. He said, well, you know, the Lord's good. He said, I went in and I the Lord showed me a vision, and the, and the little child was healed. But the Lord, see, had told him to stop there on, as, to get that gas. And uh, then in uh, another thing was real uh, good, I think, was uh, there was a lady come to the church down here all the time. She'd be in all the meetings, and I might not call her name, but uh, she had a habit that She's trying to quit smoking cigarettes. And she had tried and she'd prayed and everything, and it's just hard for her to give it up. But any, uh, sometime after she'd... Uh, it'd been uh, quite a while that she'd tried to get rid of the cigarettes. Why She got sick and uh, was in the hospital in New Albany, and the doctors examined her, and she had cancer in both lungs. And they just sent her home. There wasn't anything they could do. And they lived up out of New Albany up on what you call the knobs up in there. And we used to go up in there to target our guns in before we'd go hunting. We didn't have any shooting range. And uh, they lived up there in a log house. So uh, she had called my wife, and I said, Well, I hate to ask Brother Bam about anything like that when we're going to hunting because I don't like to bother him. So I, uh, I knew that he knew her husband real well, and she went to the church. So I said, Brother Bam, do you know... Uh, sister so-and-so I said she asked if uh, you would come pray for her sometime he said oh I tell you brother Rosen, if you want to we'll just uh, stop by there as we go home after we get a guns target in so we had been out real early and this was about 10 o'clock we started home he said well we'll go by sister Walton's house we got inside the house and her and her husband was sitting there and she had her robe on she was able to sit up in a chair and uh, she said uh, he said well sister we come by we've been uh, targeting our guns in and thought we'd stop by and pray for you well she said brother Branham I had a dream about you coming he said I know you did and he said brother Roberson you sat over there in that, on that divan and brother would you sit here in the chair this other chair and he said now sister I'm going to pray for you and he took hold of her hand and I never, but at one time, when he'd take hold of your hand, there would be a a spot come up on his hand. It was, uh, 
I don't know what it was really, because I'd seen, I never had seen it till this time. And he could tell what the, was wrong with you. But that, that was one of the first signs he had. And he said, come here, Brother Roberson, Brother Wood, I want to show you this. We, so we looked on his hand, and he knew, he said, well, sister, you've got cancer in both lungs. And he said, the doctors have sent you home to die. And he said, now, if the Lord doesn't take this away when I pray for you, he said, you, you will die. So he took over hand, and he prayed, and when he stopped praying, he looked, and he said, well, it's still there. So uh, he said, well, I tell you what, he said, Brother Robeson, you change seats where you're sitting with Brother Woods, and you sit in his seat, and you go over there, Brother Woods, sit where Brother Robeson was. And he said to, to this, this lady's husband, he said, and I see you, he said, you've got Bright's disease. And your secretary, and he said, uh, Sister, you and your husband's been a fussing before we got here this morning. He said, well, before we come in, wasn't you kind of fussing? Just, she said, oh, well, he calls me. He said, no, don't pray about it on him. He said, you repent and say that you're not going to do that anymore. Because he said, this is serious. He said, I'm going to pray for you again. And if this doesn't leave, he said, you're, you will die. But he changed the, made us change seats. And that's what, and then he talked to them and he prayed. And it left her hand. And she's living today. She lives in Florida. And she was completely healed of that. Just well as could be. But uh, that's uh, something that had to be... Uh, some people didn't understand it, but the vision had to be just right. Everything had to be in place when uh, when he prayed for you. And uh, those things was uh, things that we shouldn't even question. But uh, that's the way. That's the only time I ever seen. I've heard him tell about that. The hat had to be so in place. And uh, if uh, I thank you for listening, and I appreciate the Lord let me live in the time that I could be with Brother Bramman, man of God. And I believe sincerely he was God to us, the same as Moses. And I thank you. Lord bless you.